Amen. There's a lot going on here at Cornerstone, and uh, look in your bulletin. There's a lot more going on there. Well, I want to welcome you here to Cornerstone. My name is Sean F. Kim, the lead pastor here. If you're visiting with us, thanks for being with us today. Real quickly, just have a few, a little bit more. I just want to focus on a few things. In your bulletin, there's a form that says we are family, and uh, we love kids around here. We love our children's ministry. In fact, one of the greatest ministries we do is to is ministering to our kids, and I want to challenge you to, uh, if you're not working in our children's ministry, to sign up and start working in our children's ministry. If you have kids, that means you probably should work in our children's ministry. If you don't, maybe not. But anyway, but uh, if you love kids and have a heart for kids, we want to have you. We only require you one Sunday a month to work. And so we don't work you, you know, over too much or anything like that, but just one Sunday a month. And I tell you what, I've worked in children's ministry. I, I've led actually our children's ministry before. And it's one of the greatest things that you can be involved in, in investing in the next generation. So I want to challenge you to uh, do that also. So sign up and uh, let's fill these holes that we have. And so we can get them filled up for the rest of the year. It would be awesome. Amen. How many of you guys know what uh, next Tuesday is? Well, it's Tuesday, but it's election. And um, I want to challenge you. Someone asked me, Sean, is, is it in the Bible that we should vote? No. It really isn't. But as a believer, and as a believer here in the United States of America, it is your job to help influence our country. Amen? And one way you can influence our country is by voting. And you've got to also understand this, that many men and women throughout the years that our country's been a country have died for your right to be able to vote. So I want to challenge you to get out there and vote. And if you don't know who to vote for, I do. <laughs> Amen. And uh, I can't say who I'm voting for on, on the stage here. But you definitely, if you need help, we can definitely help you. And uh, my whole heart, you know, you want to vote godly right, godly values. And uh, you want to vote what, what is God. And some people say, well, it's a separation of church and state. No, we don't believe that. We believe God is never separate from anything. Amen? And that everything should be God, Him. Seek Him first in His kingdom. Then all these things will be added unto you. It has nothing to do with uh, church and everything, but it has everything to do with God. So I want to encourage you to get out there and vote this Tuesday. Amen? Amen. Come on, you can get better and amen that. Amen. Well, you know, I, I just had some family news here before I get started in the message today is that um, we've been looking for a new student pastor for really the last six months. And uh, we've been uh, interviewing numerous candidates. We've had numerous people uh, give in their resumes. And it's been, a, it's been a long time. And we don't move quickly here anyway. We want to make sure we have the right person in place. And and of course, we're an elder government, and so every guy in the eldership has to agree on everything that we do. We just don't move forward. And, um, and so, uh, but we finally found our new youth pastor, and um, we have hired them, and they will start here on November 11th, and their name is Patrick and Raquel Houston. And uh, come on, give God praise for that. I mean, it's going to be good. They're a great young couple, and I tell you what, have just wisdom beyond their years, and we are so excited about them. We'll introduce them as soon as they're here on a Sunday service to you. But I want to challenge you to do something for me. Um, When Lisa and I moved to a new place, moved to Kansas City back in 1993, the church we came to in Lee Summit, they did this for us. They had people in the church invite us out for dinner or invite us to their homes. And so I want to challenge you to invite them uh, uh, Patrick and Raquel to your house, okay? Just to get to know them so they can get to know you. So they, you know, they're coming to a new area, even though Patrick's kind of from this area actually originally, but still doesn't know a lot of people. It just really would help them getting integrated into our church and who we are and who you guys are. So be thinking about that. We're going to have a sign up for you to, and schedule them to, uh, to come in. And, uh, if you want to, Take one of those days, one of those times, I would encourage you to do that, okay? If that would be cool. Just be thinking about, praying about it, and asking your, your significant other and, you know, to be able to cook. But anyway, amen. Okay, look in your bulletin. There's some notes. I want you to follow along with me. And I'm going, it's like a whirlwind today. I just, wanted, I just want you to know that. So get out your pens and get ready. You know, we've been on this series on the book of Daniel, 
And, you know, Daniel was all about the nation of Israel being conquered. And they've been enslaved to the Babylonian culture. And they brought in uh, these people, and, one, and a few of them, the book of Daniel is about Daniel and three of his friends, and how they influenced their culture. And they didn't allow that culture. And the Babylonian culture was a lot like the culture is today. It was very humanistic. You know, humanism is this, is that I don't need God. I'm, it's all about me. It's all about what I want and what I feel like I'm going to do. That's humanism. And, uh, and that's not what God is all about. God is, you, we all are all about him. And this is what Daniel and his friends, they weren't all about themselves or humanism. They were all about God. And culture tried to change them, but they didn't change. They stood up even to the point of dying, which they never did. You know, God delivered them out of that, out of that. But that's the thing about this culture today is trying to change us. And the reason we did this series is so we can understand what is happening right now. Because the Bible is very clear about what's happening right now. It's very clear about the deception that's going on in our culture to take us away from the Lord. And so we did this series so we would know what is happening, what is going on, because culture is sliding in a wrong direction. And we need to be prepared to be able to step outside of culture so we can influence culture. See, you'll never influence the culture you live in being like everybody else. Never do it. I have never seen anybody. If you want to be a leader, you've got to be different. And you've got to lead. And so this is our heart, is so we can know what's coming, so we can be mobilized to influence the culture. And Daniel and his friends, they did that. They didn't do it in a rude way or a mad way. They weren't mad. They weren't angry at, at, at the Babylonian culture, but they influenced it because they stood for what was right. They loved people, but they loved God more than anything. And God d- delivered them and gave them favor where Daniel became the leaders over all the country under the king. And so and this is what we, we've been looking at. And so today, we're going to find out how all of this ends. That means how the world's going to end. Because Daniel saw some vision. Remember the first six chapters of Daniel is all about the stories, about them coming in there and, and about the lion's den and about uh, the fiery furnace. And that's, that's what the first six chapters. The last six chapters are, are about really the prophetic. It's really about the future. Daniel began to see, saw, saw the future. He saw what was happening. He saw um, Alexander the Great. He saw and told about the Roman Empire. He uh, saw even to the end of the age. And so I want to go and talk about the end times here. What's going to happen at the end? And because Daniel saw this future, but Jesus did too. So I'm not going to start in Daniel today. We're going to go to Matthew. Turn to Matthew chapter 24. And we're going to start in Matthew because I want, I want you to see what Jesus says about the end times. And that he really validates what Daniel saw. He validates, validates the whole book of Daniel. And in Matthew chapter 24, verse 3. And listen, before we get even started into this, I want you to know what we're going to say is not to bring fear. But it's, it's what, what is about end time theology? What is it supposed to do? It's supposed to inform us so we know what's happening. So we can be equipped not to fall away or go away against the Lord but also to propel us to do something about it, okay? And so Matthew chapter 24, verse 3, let's start here. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately and said, tell us, they said, when will this happen? Now, of course, everybody wants to know the time. God, when are you going to come back? When, when are you going to come back and establish everything? Because Jesus says, I'm going to come back. He, and he wants to know when. And Jesus even says later, I don't even know when. Only God knows. And so we don't need to put our focus into when, but he goes on and says, and what will be the signs of your coming and of the end of the age? So we can't tell you when, but we can definitely talk about the signs, the signs of his coming. Now, ever since then, Jesus was, when he died and, and rose again, there have been signs and there's been a number of signs. There's been signs of of earthquakes and, you know, things, uh, hurricanes and all that kind of stuff, you know, being 
being going on in many generations. There's been wars in many generations. I, I don't know. I, I didn't live in World War II, but um, I'm sure they thought that was the end times because that was a terrible war. World War I, the Revolutionary War, they even thought, well, these are end times. But all the generations until now have never had all the different signs that says that Jesus is coming. But I really believe this generation is going to have the, all the signs. All the signs that Jesus talked about, all the signs that Daniel, which is all the same, talked about, we are going to see in this generation. And let's go on in verse 12, Matthew chapter 24, verse 12. It says, because, and this is some of the signs, because of the increase of wickedness, Jesus said. Now, how many guys know that increase of wickedness is happening right now? Okay. The increase of wickedness, we're seeing it right now. And then it goes on, Jesus says, the love of most will grow cold. Okay. He's talking about believers. The love for God is going to grow cold. It's where people's love for God is growing cold. And even some of the wickedness that they said were wickedness or wrong or bad things to do against the Lord seemed now to be socially acceptable. Okay, and this is the way our culture is going. Okay, and even a lot of times we go with the culture. Remember, we have to step out of the culture. We can't follow the culture. Now, you understand Christianity is never supposed to be mean and harmful. You understand that. There's Christians out there that are being mean and harmful and yelling at people, and that's just wrong. But we're not supposed to go with the culture. We're not supposed to believe like the culture or live like the culture. And this is what Jesus is saying is happening, that the love of God is growing cold and that, that their love for him and that the wickedness that they once said was wickedness is no longer, it becomes acceptable. But then he says, but he who stands firm till the end will be saved. That means he who does not go with the culture... He who stands firm in who their God is, just like Daniel did. He loved the Lord. He went after God with all his heart. He stood up. Even when the king wanted him to bow down, he stood up, not in, in, in fear and not in hatred towards the king, but in just real truth. I can't do that, king, because I love my God. And this is what my God tells me to do. And so he, he stood firm. And so Jesus is saying, those who stand firm will be saved. And then he goes on. And this gospel of the kingdom, what we preach, Jesus loves everyone, come and get saved. Come into the relationship with God and the family of God and the grace of God. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony or as a sign to all nations. Now that word nation means, is the Greek word ethnos, it means people's group. So it's not just talking about governments, you understand that. It's talking about people. God is not concerned about governments. I want you to understand that. He's concerned about you. He's concerned about me. He's concerned about peoples. And so he's talking about people. So that all the gospel, the good news, everyone on this earth will have an opportunity to receive him, to hear the good news, to either accept it or reject it. And so that's what he's saying here. And that's happening. That's actually happening today. Did you know since 2002... Till this, t- this day, more people have come to the Lord than all of history. It has been rapidly expanding. I mean, in China alone, China is becoming a Christian nation. And they have, you know, quite a few people, billions of people now. And they're becoming a Christian nation. It's just rapidly changing. And he says, so the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nation. And then the end will come. And then the end will come. That's what Jesus said. The end will come then. You've got to understand this. We are the first generation that's probably in the next five to ten years is going to be able to see this. Is going to see that every ethnos, every people groups, are going to be, have the opportunity to hear the gospel. And, and one way we do it, we have missionaries going out all over the world now that are going out and reaching every group, trying to reach the, the groups that aren't, haven't been reachable in the past because their nations have closed in Islam and other areas, or they've just not been found yet. But we're finding all of them. The other thing that's propelling all this is, is the Internet. 
the internet, everybody is beginning to receive the internet. You know, the, the CEO of Facebook is planning to, Facebook is planning to use drones that fly high to give free internet to places that don't have internet all over Africa, all over Asia. And, and, and that's actually a good thing because the gospel is going to be able to be received through everyone. And this is happening in our generation. No other generation has been able to save this. And this is one of the last, last signs that have not been in any other generation. And in the next five to ten years, probably even sooner, that we are going to be able to say that every ethnos group has an opportunity to receive Jesus, to hear the gospel. And then he goes on, Jesus goes on and says, So when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes dissolution... That's um, that uh, desolation. That is the Antichrist. I'll explain that here in a minute. This is going to happen around the seven-year tribulation. He's going to set up uh, a statue of himself in the temple in Jerusalem, which is not yet built yet, and people are going to worship him. And he says, spoken through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand. So, so, so Jesus is actually talking about what Daniel was speaking about in, 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 in Daniel chapter 9. And he gives validity to what Daniel says. And he says, this is going to happen. And there's one place in the book of Daniel where Daniel really summarizes it all. And it's in chapter 9. And he talks about the visions here. And he summarizes all the visions. Put them all in one chapter, basically. And he says, this is the, what's called the 77. So let's go there. Look at Daniel chapter 9. Jesus was speaking out from this. And let's look and see what Daniel saw here. Now, Daniel saw these 77. These are 70 sets of seven years. Now, stay with me on this. It's 70 sets of seven years that's going to happen of years of prophecy that Daniel saw. Now, in Daniel chapter 9, verse 24, look at this. It says, 77s are decreed. For your people and your holy city to finish transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Know and understand this. From the issuing of the decree to restore and build Jerusalem. So whenever that decree goes out, that goes out in, in Ezra and in Nehemiah, he says, from the issuing of that decree goes out, will be, there will be seven sevens. And that's 49 years. And 49 years is what it took after that decree was made. It took for them to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. So rebuild the walls. Seven sevens. And then he goes on, and 62 sevens. That's 430 years. Uh, excuse me, 434 years. 62 sevens, that's actually from the date of that decree to rebuild the wall, that's 434 years is the exact date when Jesus gave his life. So that's 62 sevens. Daniel's seeing all this. He saw this. And he says, and he goes on and says, it will be rebuilt with streets and a trench, but in times of trouble. After the 62 sevens, that's 434 years, after that, the anointed one will be cut off and, and will have nothing. And the people of the ruler, talking about the Romans, will come and will destroy the city and the sanctuary. And that happened in 70 AD. And then the end will come like a flood. War will continue until the end. And desolations will have been decreed. And verse 27, he, it's actually talking about the Antichrist, will confirm a covenant. Now you got to listen to this. This is where we're at now. Because um, now we're talking about the last sevens. He says the Antichrist, he will confirm a covenant. And this is going to happen in Jerusalem. And it's going to be a peace covenant between Israel and Palestine. It's going to be a peace covenant. It's going to be brokered in Israel, in Jerusalem, between Israel and Palestine. And this is what Israel actually wants this. They want this to happen because they want to rebuild the temple, the old temple that was destroyed in 70 A.D. They want to come in and rebuild the temple. And in the temple mount, what's on the temple mount? There's a, there's a Muslim sanctuary there right now. In order for them to build it, they're going to have to have, a, they're going to deal, deal in peace in this, and they're going to give up land in order for them to build the temple. Let me tell you something. They already have the furniture, all the plans drawn. They are ready to go. The furniture's in storage for this temple. All the gold and everything is ready for this temple to be built right now. And so 
so, so Daniel says he will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. That's talking about the last sevens, the tribulation. And in the middle of the seven, he will put it into the sacrifice and offering. So the Antichrist, the person is going to come back and says after three and a half years, is going to say, no more. Uh-uh, you're not going to be a part of this anymore. We're going to come in and take it back over. They're going to renege on their contract. And they're going to set up. And he says, he, and, 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 and on a wing, that means of the temple, he will set up an abomination that causes desolation. Right in the middle of it, he's going to set up a statue of himself until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. That means he's, that he's going to be destroyed. Now, let me summarize all this. And I know a lot of times this thing's very, it's hard to understand. I'm going to put it in a little bit more uh, easier details here. But let me summarize this passage. There are 70 sets of sevens that Daniel saw that Jesus um, val- validated. And that's 490 years of prophecies. Now, these aren't consecutive prophecies. These are sets of seven years, okay? And so 490 years of these. 483 of these 490 years have already been fulfilled. That's 69 of the sevens. 69 of the sevens. So there's still one set of seven years of prophecy yet to be fulfilled. Jesus talked about this. Daniel talked about it. Paul and Peter talked about it. And the book of Revelation is centered around these last seven sets. Seven years here of prophecy. And, uh, and I want you to give me a couple of minutes because we're going to go through the book of Revelations. I'm going to give you really just a short, just going through outline of what the book of Revelation is about. So important that we understand this so we know the times. We know where we're in today. And, the, and, and so give me 10, 10 minutes or so. And we're going to go over into 10 different events, major events of the book of Revelations to see where we're at. The book of Revelation is really, it's, it's Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's all about him coming again. And here, the book of Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ that was given to John, the apostle John, and was given to him, and he says the same thing. So here are the main events in the book of Revelation. Number one, it's called the church age, and it's from Revelation chapter 2 to Revelation chapter 3. Now, we are living in the church age right now, definitely. And, and here in, in Revelation 2, in Revelation chapter 3, uh, Jesus himself, he says seven things to these seven churches. And he tells them seven warnings about himself. And, and he tells them this is how you should be living. Like you shouldn't lo- lose your first love, that you're, you know, you're going to suffer persecution, that you need to repent, that you need to come back. You need to beware of false prophets and prophetess. You need to be uh, worried about not falling asleep. And uh, you need to wait patiently, enduring faith, and not be lukewarm. And so I'll, I'm going to teach on this next year sometime, probably next fall again. I'm going to talk about these seven warnings he given because we should obey these and live these. And so that's the first event in the book of Revelation. The second major event is what we call the rapture. And I put a question mark by rapture, and I'll tell you why here in a minute, because this is debatable. Because the word rapture is not anywhere in Scripture as far as the word. But there's some evidence of what means for the rapture. The rapture means it's a calling away or taking away or snatching away of people who believe in Jesus Christ. That's going to happen. And so that means at the end, people believe that, that there's going to be a snatching away of all the believers, either the beginning of the last set of sevens, or it's going to be in the middle or at the end. Now, this is definitely debatable, and it's nothing that should ever divide you. I want you to know that, because I don't know about you, the first elevator going up, I'm going to be on. Amen? (laughs) So wherever that is, I'm going to be looking for it, watching for it, and going up. And and so, but the reason I put Revelation chapter 4 here is because after Revelation chapter 4, the church is never mentioned again until the end. And so there's some theories on that. Well, maybe the church, that means you and I, who are believers, are not here any longer. Or maybe it's that maybe the church is not effective, or maybe Jesus got tired of talking about you and he went on to something else. I don't know. So we just don't know. 
But there is something significant about that, whether it's the rapture or something else. We're not sure, okay? Number three, the third event, is the rise of the Antichrist. This is the guy I was talking about, that Daniel talked about, that Jesus talked about, that he's going to put a statue of himself. And Revelation chapter 6 talks about that. And that's, what, that's the person who's going to lure everyone into liking him and sometimes even force people to get the, what we call the mark of the beast. And that's going to begin with the treaty, treaty that's going to be signed in Jerusalem and, uh, and the rebuilding of the temple. And, uh, and this guy, and the reason we're doing this whole series is so we will know what's going to happen, so we won't be deceived. Now, let me tell you something. Many, the Bible says, will be deceived by this. That we're going to be deceived into liking whoever this is or whatever this is. Because some people believe, some theologians believe it is a man, it is a person that's going to come in and it's going to be like, and it's going to be so likable that everybody likes him and goes from, and he's going to produce worship for himself. Others believe it's a state of mind or state of thinking that it's, it's humanism itself. And the statue is going to be of a man, but it's not a specific man. It's going to be saying, we did it all. Remember the Tower of Babel? That we did it all. That we no longer need God. I believe it's going to be both. It's going to be everything about that. And we're going to be, and people are going to be tricked. Even believers who call themselves Christians today are going to be deceived in following after him. By the way, if you believe in the rapture and you're still here at this time, either the rapture didn't happen or you were left behind. So anyway... um, so the rise of the Antichrist is coming. Number four, it comes to tribulation. Revelation 6 through Revelation 19 is all about the tribulation. Once that treaty is signed in Jerusalem, it will begin the last of that seven years of prophecy that Daniel talked about and Jesus talked about. In Matthew 24, verse 21, Jesus talks about this, and this is what he says about this last seven years. He says, for, there, for then there will be a great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. So it's not going to be a great time to live. Everybody smile, please. It's not. So my thinking is, going back to number two, let's believe in the rapture so we can get out of here. But, but that's what it's going to be like. It's going to be terrible. And people are going to be easily deceived because of false hope. Remember Paul, he talks about this in in Timothy. He's telling a young minister, he says, beware. Because people with itching ears basically will believe anything. And that's what begins to happen. So the tribulation is going to happen. And then the fifth thing that's going to happen is the main event is, I love this, is the second coming of Christ. And this is not debatable. This is going to happen. And it's Revelation 19. And I believe right now Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father God, looking at him. When is this? When can I go? When can I go? You know, he's just like, I want to go. I want to get my bride. I want to go and hang out with my, my guys. You know, I want to go. Can I go now? Can I go now? I believe I'm, he's like that. The Bible says something about God, though. It says that God is not slow in keeping his promise to return. He wants to return. But he is patient, not wanting anyone to perish. I mean, he loves. I think the only thing that's keeping him from coming is that, oh, he's going to be saved. He's going to accept me. Is giving that time for everyone to hear the gospel and to have that choice of receiving what Jesus did. I believe that's the only thing that's holding us back is his love for every single one of us. So Jesus is coming back. And the next event that happens in the book of Revelation, number six, and I love this part because I love to eat, is the marriage supper of the Lamb. And it's Revelation 9, 19. And this is the first thing. After Jesus comes, he's going to kick the devil's butt. He's going to throw him, in, throw him away. And then we're going, to have, we're going to have dinner. And we're going to have a party. And it's going to be a great party, man. It's going to be a buffet. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm putting my, 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 my thing in. It's going to be a buffet with prime rib and all you can eat. 
desserts. And it's, I'm, I'm, I'm joking, but it is. It's going to be a party. It's the marriage supper of Lamb. The first thing that God wants to do is have a party with us. And it's going to be a great thing. This is nothing to fear. This is something that's going to be great. The marriage supper of Lamb. And then the next thing that happens, number seven, is the millennium. Revelations 20, verse 6, it's about a thousand-year reign that Jesus is going to establish his throne in Jerusalem. He's not going to lead from heaven anymore. He is going to be here on this earth, and all the kingdoms are going to look to him. It's going to be a thousand-year reign, and since there's going to be no Satan, there's going to be no sin, amen? There's going to be no problems. There's going to be no sickness, amen? There's going to be no rush hour traffic. And the Royals are going to win every World Series. Amen. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> it's like it's. I, I don't know. I, I'm a big donut fan, and it's it's like the hot like a uh, Krispy Kreme is always on. <laughs> And you know when you, I, I didn't, I don't have time to go into every detail of this. And next year we probably will do something. But um, it's it's like we get a glorified body, and so I'm going to have a six pack right here <laughs> that I don't even have to work for. And I'm going to go into that Krispy Kreme every day, and it's not going to hurt it. And I'm going to have like four or five donuts in one mouth. <laughs> that's my idea of heaven. I don't know about yours, but anyway. That's the millennial reign. That's a thousand years that Jesus is going to reign here on this earth. And then eight thing that's going to happen is called the last rebellion. It comes from Revelations 20, 7 through 10. I don't fully understand this completely. I have ideas, but don't have time to talk about them. But it's where God re- releases Satan again to go tempt everyone that's here on this earth again. And, and some theologians believe that there's going to be people who are born during the millennium. You know, God has always been, I don't want you to be forced to worship me. You need to choose. And so some theologians think that he's going to be released so people will have a choice. I don't know. But that's the last rebellion. And then number nine comes, and it's called the great white throne judgment. Revelations 20, 11 through 15. And as a believer, we don't have to have, go through this. But everyone who has rejected Jesus will have their day in court here. And they'll be judged. And then number 10, they don't have to be, by the way. Every believer, every person on this earth has an opportunity to receive. And these are ones who just outright rejected him. And number 10 is called eternity. And that's Revelations 21 through 22. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. God's going to recreate everything again, and it's going to be made like he's always intended it to be. The Bible says even the lion will lay next to the lamb. And uh, it's going to be something that's going to be totally amazing. So that's, that's the end times. That's what's coming. I believe we are now in those times. I believe my generation, I believe I will see the coming of Christ in my lifetime. Now, if I'm wrong, I'll be dead, so you, you won't have anything to say about it. But I just, we just see no other generation, if you've done study. I, I took a whole year, one year, and just study end time stuff and not even taught it or anything. It's my personal time. And I really, and I look back in history and look about all the things that were going on in history. In fact, um, No other generation has come close to the signs as we have. In fact, I think we're going to fulfill all the signs here. And when you see that treaty in Jerusalem, which will happen, then you know it's the end times. And we're going to do this. Now, what's the value in knowing this? You know, it's fun to study, but what does the Lord want me to do with what I know? In Daniel chapter 12, let's look at that. Turn back to Daniel 12. It's the last chapter in Daniel. Let's look what he talks about here. Because there's a reason why we need to know this. It's not for us to be afraid. Not us to worry. But there's a reason. Daniel chapter 12 verse 1 says this. At that time, Michael, a great prince 
who protects your people. Now, he's an archangel who's over what we feel, see in the word war and to answer prayers. We see that with Daniel. Will arise. There will be a time of distress such that has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. That's the last sevens. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book. Now, Daniel, what he saw there was not just a normal book. He saw the the Lamb's book of life. So when you became a believer and you give your life to God, your name is written in this book. And this is the book that he saw here. He He says, that's found written in the book will be delivered. Now, some people believe that's, some theologians believe that's the rapture. I don't know. It says, multitudes who sleep in the dust, that means all those who have died before, of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise, those who are wise, that means people who have come to the Lord, who've given their life to the Lord, who laid down their life, will shine like the brightness of heaven. That means you and I, the purpose of even knowing all this is in these last days, as the world gets darker, light should get brighter. And that we are light. Jesus says you are the light of the world, the salt of the earth. And so we should be light. We should be light here who is going to go out and reach people. You know, what we're doing here in a couple weeks, that Amigo Sunday, that Friend Sunday, is not just to have a fun Sunday, which is going to be a great Sunday. It's going to be a lot of fun. I start a series. I'm going to be talking about that day. I'm going to talk about bringing hope into this world and into your home. But it's not just, just to, to get other people in here. It's really to reach out into your community. The reason we ask you to invite three people is so you will get someone here. And so they can hear the message of God. They can hear the gospel preached to them. And so they can give their lives to him. So you can be a light. He says, so we can be a light like the stars forever and ever. That we're going to lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. That's why we exist as a church. Is to lead people to Jesus. That's why we exist here. That's why we're getting out of debt as a church. It's so we can spend more money on reaching people and starting more churches that reach people. That's what we're all about. Is doing that. And it's all about getting people to know Him. That's the heart of God. That's who we are. And so we're going to lead many to righteousness. And what we hear about today, about the end times, is not supposed to scare us or make us go into our shelters or anything else and store food for the end times. No, it's so us we can go out and know the times because the days are evil so we can make every opportunity count. With our friends, our family, our neighbors, our co-workers, even our enemies. So we can minister Jesus to them. Why we exist. Then he says, but you, Daniel, close up and seal these words of the scroll until the time of the end. And he, look, he says something very interesting here. It's another sign of the times. Many will go here and there to increase knowledge. Very interesting that he said that because only 150 years ago, 150 years ago, you could only travel, at best, 20 miles a day. That's why you go through some town, some, some states, and every 20 miles there's a city, there's a town. So people will go here and there. But today, you can get on a flight today and 15 hours be across the earth. So people are going here and there. And then there's knowledge that is increasing. We live in a day where people are not just traveling from here to there, but knowledge is increasing. Only 200 years ago, knowledge doubled for the first time. From the beginning of time to 200 years ago, knowledge doubled. 50 years later, knowledge doubled again. And then 30 years later, knowledge doubled again. Do you know how much knowledge is doubling? Every 18 months, knowledge doubles. We are learning and increasing all the time. We are living in an end time generation right now. Now let's go down to verse 8. He says, I heard what he said, but I didn't understand what he meant. It is confusing sometimes. So I asked, how will this finally end, my Lord? But he said, go now, Daniel, for what I have said is kept secret and sealed until the time 
of the end. Many will be purified, cleansed, and refined by these trials, but the wicked will continue in their wickedness, wickedness, and none of them will understand. Peter goes on and says, you're going to be mocked. Only those who are wise will know what it means. Only those who are wise will know from it means. From the time the daily sacrifices stop and the sacrilegious object that causes desecration is set up to be worshipped, there will be 1,290 days. And blessed are those who wait and remain until the end of the 1,335 days. That's three and a half years. And as for you, go your way until the end. You will rest. And then at the end of the days, you will rise again and receive the inheritance that's set aside for you. Look what he says. Don't be afraid, but be what? Wise. The reason we did this whole Daniel series, so we would be wise about the times that we're living in. Now turn to Second Peter, and I'll close with all this. Second Peter chapter 3. Second Peter chapter 3. And look what Peter says about this in verse 10. He says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with the war. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in that way, look what he says. What kind of people ought you to be? We need to figure that out. In these last days, in order to be wise, what kind of person are you going to be? Not what your eschatology is. It doesn't really matter how it's going to end. It's going to end whether you are right or wrong. You know that? Jesus is coming back. But what person are you going to be? Are you going to be one that's going to be wise and not follow every wind of doctrine and be somebody who's going to be a light into this world? That's what he's talking about. Look what he goes on. Peter says, you ought to live holy, perfect, and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and I love this. And speed, it's coming. As a church, we need to be so on mission to reach as many people as possible. Why? To speed, it's coming. I want to speed this coming. I don't know about you. I'm tired of sickness. I'm tired of sin. I'm tired of people be, being hurt. Amen? And we are the light of the world. And it's our job to continue and to speed the coming of Christ. Now look at verse 13. He says, but in keeping with his promises, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. Just as our dear brother Paul wrote, wrote you with the wisdom of God gave him, he writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in, all, in them all these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. Therefore, dear friends, since you already know this, be on your guard. Be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawless men and fall from your secure position. Amen. So be on guard. Don't go around there. Be so passionate about God and about passionate about reaching people and loving people with all your heart. Be wise. Don't be afraid. Listen, this is not meant for fear for anybody. This is meant to inform us, to equip us, and to propel us to do something greater. And that's where we're at. That's where we're at as a church. And I believe this is the end time. So here, I'm going to give you three things to be wise about. Real quickly, three things to be wise about. Number one, follow God, not culture. Stand up. Be loving, but stand up for what you believe. And don't follow because everybody else is doing it or you hear it on TV all the time. Don't let culture determine who you are. Let God and be who he's created you to be. Number two, be ready for Christ's return. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 42, Therefore keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. So be ready for it. Just be passionate about the Lord and going after Him. And don't, don't allow that humanistic thinking to come in because it's so deceptive. And everywhere we look at the Bible, when they talk about the end times, when Peter and Paul and Jesus talk about the end times, they're talking about deception. 
Watch out the deception. Don't follow it because it's so easy to go along with culture, isn't it? It's so easy to be like everybody else, but God's called you to be out of that. To rise out so you can influence. And then number three, make the most of this life. That doesn't mean going out and partying all the time, okay? Ephesians chapter 5, 15 says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because why? The days are evil. So make the most of every opportunity. You know, we're going in a time of this holiday season. Make the most of every opportunity with your family. To minister Jesus to them. To tell them what's right. Make the most of every opportunity to, to this in two weeks to bring someone to church. Make the most of every opportunity through all of our outreaches that we're doing this, this Christmas. Like the Christmas extravaganza where we give families from all over this area Christmas. To ha- be able to have Christmas. Christmas gifts for their kids and themselves. To minister and to be a part of that. Bring people on our Christmas Eve service, which is a very traditional service that reaches out into our community. And when you're just eating and hanging out with people, make the opportunity to talk to them about the Lord. Because there is going to be a great white throne judgment. And I don't want to see anybody in that. Amen? You know, it's God's will that all men come to Christ. Did you know that? Now, we know through his word that it's not going to happen. Because people will reject him. We can't do anything about that. But we can do our part in helping people find him. Because Jesus is coming back. And I'm excited for that day. But I want to take as many people with me. How about you? Are you ready for that? You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. And so let this message propel you to do something about it. To go out and see people come to Christ. Amen? Because the time is short. And I, I believe this. We are in the last days. And I believe some great things are going to happen. Don't you? You believe God's going to do some great things? Amen. Bow your heads, close your eyes. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you right now for your word. I thank you for your faithfulness. That you're such a great God. I thank you that you, you love us and don't want anyone to perish. And Father, I just pray right now that we just take that opportunity that we have. That we know it's the end times. We know that you're coming back. We don't know every detail, but we just know what's happening. And that, Father God, that we would recognize the time and the season that we're in. And that it would propel us to do what Peter told us to do, what Daniel told us to do, what Jesus told us to do, was to bring people to righteousness. Lead many to you. So help us do that as a church. Help us do that individually with our family and our friends. Give us opportunities. Give us wisdom, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And Father, I just thank you that there will be no fear That, Father God, that you lead us by love and by faith and purpose. And that, Father, we thank you, God. And we thank you that you are coming back for your church. In Jesus' name. With everyone's eyes closed, no one looking around, please. You're sitting there and you're saying, Sean, I I don't know if I would go. You're sitting there and you know you're missing something. You heard about the end times and maybe you got a little worried. Well, listen, let me tell you something. There's no need to fear. Jesus came and died for you. So you and I can have a relationship with Lord. So this could be turned over from a fearful issue to a, this is awesome. And you're sitting there in your seat and you know you need something more. There's something missing in your life. Well, it's Jesus. And he wants to come into your life, but he needs your permission. Come into your life actually to forgive you, to love you, and to give you a new life. This could be a new day for you. 
where everything changes. So if that's you right now, I want to pray for you. I'm going to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That means you're going to give him your life and he's going to give you his. He's going to come in and he's going to forgive you for everything that you've done. Past, present, and future. And he's going to make you right. What's called righteousness. Right standing with God right now. You don't have to do anything except to accept what he's already done for you. But he wants you to make that choice. So I want to give you an opportunity to make that choice right now where you're at. So this is what I want you to do. If you've never done that or you've been far away from the Lord and you want to come back to him, I want you to raise your hand right where you're at up high and then you can put it down. Anybody in here says, Pastor Sean, that's me. I want to give my life to Christ. I want you to raise your hand to the Lord right now. Anybody in here says, that's me, Pastor Sean. I want to give my life to Christ. Thank you, Jesus. One more time, anybody else? So, Father, we just thank you. Put your hands down, anybody else? So this is what I want you to do. I want you to pray after me. I want you to pray this prayer. Because God wants to come into your life. We hadn't had a number of them do it during the first service. And if you want to give your life to Christ and you raise your hand, or even if you didn't right now, just pray this prayer and mean it with all your heart. And Jesus is going to come into your life. And you, from this day forward, are going to give your life to him. And he's going to give his life to you, which is far better. So pray these words with me, mean it with all your heart. Everyone in here, let's pray these together. Say, Father God, I give you my life. I give you everything. I make you the Lord of my life. I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me, to take my sin, all my wrongdoings upon himself, to be punished in my place. So I thank you for that. And from this day forward, I give you everything. I make you the boss, the Lord of my life. And from this day, I will serve you. I thank you for loving me. And I love you. Thank you, Jesus, for my new life. Everybody say amen. Come on, give the Lord praise right now. Amen. Amen. You know, that's one of the greatest things you can do. The greatest miracle is to give your life to Christ. Now, if you look in your bulletin, everybody look in your bulletin right now. There's a connection, what we call the connection card, right on the side of your bulletin. If you can fill that out, and if you're visiting with us, thanks for coming today. Fill that out, and at the end of the service, go out to the front.